Hello, everyone, and welcome to Research and Justice for All, a podcast series from Health Affairs sponsored by CVS Health. I'm your co-host, Dr. Jonay Khaldun, Chief Health Equity Officer at CVS Health. And I'm co-host, Dr. Shri Chagatur, Chief Medical Officer at CVS Health. You know, Shri, I'm so excited about today's show. We are going to be talking to Dr. Brian Buckley, Director for Health Equity Initiatives at the National Committee for Quality Assurance. He's done some really meaningful work at the NCQA to support their health equity strategy across multiple areas. So really excited about our conversation. Yeah, Dr. Buckley was great. He really helped us understand what is the National Committee on Quality Assurance, what is accreditation, and then specifically helped us understand this new program that the NCQA has around health equity accreditation. It isn't necessarily new. It's grown out of a program that's been there for quite some time. But to really understand what it is today and how it's advancing health equity was really a helpful conversation. It was. And I also like how he really got into this concept of collaboration, working in communities, putting people at the center of of healthcare, which I think is really, really important. And then he shared with us a really nice framework for how we think about health equity work. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Here's our interview with Dr. Brian Buckley. Welcome, Dr. Buckley. Thank you so much for joining us on the Research and Justice for All podcast. You know, Shri and I are really looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to be diving into health equity, one of my favorite topics, but specifically the topic of health equity accreditation and how it's really changing the way healthcare systems, health plans, governments, and employers really address health equity. So really looking forward to our conversation today. Before we get into it, though, I really want to start the interview by asking you, you know, as you think about health equity, why is this work really important to you? So for me, um, I always tell people I am a public health practitioner through and through. And so I've always said my whole entire being is how do we improve where people live, work and play? And I think this speaks into really the why the health equity. How do we think about health and well-being and really improving that in our communities? And so when I look at health equity, I look at it from all the factors of what health is, both physical, mental, social, um, financial well-being. And so for me, health equity just seemed like a natural space to be in, especially with my background in public health, to really making a difference. Um, I always tell people my personal vision statement is to exhaust my talents as a nexus for change through my blessings, failures, and community. And so it just seemed like a great marriage uh, with this work that I'm doing now. Well, I I really, really love that. And and especially I consider myself a public health kind of practitioner as as well, working across many sectors. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Dr. Buckley, I love that. Exhaust my talents as a nexus of change, as an agent of change. And you've decided to work with the National Committee on Quality Assurance as the platform, as the organization where you want to affect that change. And so for our listeners who aren't familiar with the NCQA, the National Committee on Quality Assurance, could you just take a moment to explain what is the NCQA and what it does? Yes. Uh, yes. So NCQA has been around now for a little bit over 30 years now. And I always like to remind us of um, listeners of really the mission of our organization, which is to improve the quality of healthcare. A very simple mission. And so when we talk about healthcare, Think back to crossing the quality chasm that we need to make sure healthcare is sa- healthcare quality is safe, effective, 
person-centered, timely, efficient, and equitable. And that's where a lot of my work comes in. So overall, the simple way I like to explain, I always like to say, explain it like you're talking to your parents here, is we measure healthcare quality, we accredit um, healthcare stakeholders, and we recognize uh physician practices that are doing good work in those measurements that we've created. And so our whole vision for the future is that you can make um, have better health care because we have good quality metrics, you, which will lead to better choices, which lead to hopefully better health. Dr. Buckley, that's very helpful. And accreditation, you just mentioned accredit. Could you just tell us a little bit more about what is accreditation, what's its purpose, and how does that happen? Yeah, so accreditation is really, think of it as a standard, a standard that um, we can get the most buy-in and consensus around the nation when it comes to how should we be collecting, what are the things that we should be focusing on. For NCQ, we have been uh, primarily accrediting uh, health plans, so a little bit over um, 80% of health plans are accredited by NCQA, but we also accredit healthcare delivery and also FQHCs and also physician practices. So we're kind of unique in our space in many ways that we we cross over so many different platforms within the healthcare uh, landscape, but really we're meant to be the North Star. That's how I like to think of accreditation, the North Star. It's not perfect and there's many different ways that people are going to try to get to their direction, but we're, we're really trying to push the direction forward of these are the bare minimum that we need to do to make sure that we are achieving high quality healthcare. And Dr. Buckley, one of the newer exciting accreditations that NCQA has is in health equity. So tell us a little bit more about that and how do you really think it's moving the needle when it comes to health equity and health plans? Yeah, so we have been on a journey. So I always like to roll us back that we've been on a journey uh, around health equity for quite some time. And so you mentioned our health equity accreditation program. It actually started, it got its roots from our multi-healthcare distinction. For our listeners, that was a, uh, it actually started as a multicultural healthcare award back in, I think, in 2008, and then ended up developing into uh, a, a accreditation in 2010. And it was really around the class standards when we thought about, you know, preferred language. And so that's where it got its roots from. Um, fast forward a couple years in 2021, um, especially after the George Floyd um, death and murder, uh, we thought we need to do something. We need to get a, it need to get a refresh because health equity and we saw folks that were struggling with this and we saw that we already had a really good base program, but it needed an uplift. So this is where the health equity accreditation uh, was born from. And I'll also talk more about the health equity accreditation plus as well. So when it came to the health equity accreditation program, we really wanted it to be, uh, think of it like a great framework on quality improvement. We knew the science was changing, the evidence was changing around the um, health equity as a whole. So we wanted to make sure our organizations were ready for this change. And so that's why there's an organizational readiness actually before you can even do this accreditation. Do you have all the things in place? Uh, do you have a good governance structure? Do you have, uh, what's the diversity of your leadership? your population. Um, then second, we wanted to focus on, are you able to collect the data needed to really see where there are disparities, specifically when it comes to racial disparities, um, when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation data, making sure that you're starting that process. But the primary aspect of that program is really where to start. 
understand your population and where there are gaps. That's like the simplest way to explain the accreditation, the base program. Then we took it a step further with our PLUS program. Um, It's the whole idea you have to start doing good health equity work internally for yourself before you can start doing it externally. Think of the simple, you know, you need to put your mask on first before you can put someone else's mask on. And that got us into the PLUS program, which actually focuses really on the data management and interoperability. And how do you think about Um, cross-sector partnerships? How are you working with community-based organizations? How are you working with other stakeholders in your organization to make sure that you are um, creating a structure that allows for a good data flow and um, addressing of uh, targeted disparities within um, those populations? You know, I, I love that response, and particularly you talking about, like, kind of look internally first before you start going externally. But let's talk a little bit about the data. You know, one of the uh, critiques or challenges that a lot of organizations have is that, you know, we, we need more data. We don't 100% know where all the disparities are. Our data are incomplete. And sometimes people kind of say, you know, that means we, we, we can't move. We don't know what to do. We need to keep on trying to collect data before we act. How do you think about that uh, in, in the context of NCQA health equity accreditation and what organizations should be doing? So I love, I get this question so much. And so I'm going to answer this, I guess, a couple of different ways. One, yes, data is very important as we look to see, are we making a difference? But before I always say that, I want to separate the two different forms of data, uh, both the quantitative and the qualitative. So quantitative data, yes, we do need more data. Um, it's in a messy form between, you know, imputed, how are we getting it from government enrollment data? And it, it's messy. But at the same time, I also tell people, do not forget about the qualitative data that is within your communities. It's the partnerships that you're making with your faith-based organizations, your community organizations. And those have a lot of power as well. I'm a a big fan of uh, community intelligence. And so uh, you don't need to have all the data perfect but you can talk to people in the communities and they can tell you where their their inequities in their own communities. And that's a place to start. So you don't have to have it perfect. And I don't want people to get into the point of data paralysis where I need the data to be perfect for me to be able to act. Act and then reflect. I like to think of everything in many ways. And this is why we have our framework around, it really centers around a quality improvement PDCA cycle. Make your plan, do the work, you know, analyze it, you know, check it, and then decide, okay, do I need to abandon this idea? Do I need to adjust this? Or do I need to adapt it moving forward? And so that's what I usually say with folks about data, uh, making sure there are struggles, but do not let it be the sole thing that prevents you from action. No data paralysis. I love that. (laughs) Act and reflect community intelligence. I love these uh, notions. And you know, Dr. Buckley, as we think about uh, the types of data, one of the areas that we know has a tremendous impact in health is social determinants of health. And by addressing social determinants of health, we can Im- help people improve their healthcare journey, improve quality, reduce costs. And so I was wondering, could you just talk a little bit about how the NCQA's health equity framework is addressing social determinants of health? 
I'm actually going to answer this two ways because we actually have two different parts of our organization that are doing some really cool things. First, we have our health equity accreditation program, which is really when it comes to social determinants of health, that part about understanding your population, understanding where they are. Um, we really help um, encourage folks to really take a deeper dive by zip code, by county, to understanding what are the disparities, where are you seeing the differences within uh, populations around different specific areas. And that leads you to start thinking about other resources like uh, county health rankings to understanding, okay, where where are some other inequities that are happening around um, those areas? But on the another end, on our measurement side, we also have our social needs measure that we have been developing. Um, public comment came out around really how do we think about, um, um, and this kind of goes into the PLUS program when it comes to referrals, outcomes, and impacts. How are we looking at the social needs measure um, looking at where do people need options for food, uh, transportation, housing, and really getting folks to think about, are you screening for uh, social drivers of health within your, your system? And so that is another area that's both a measurement in general to the field, regardless of you're in health equity accreditation at all, or the PLUS program, but something that we're trying to incorporate into the basic foundation of HEDIS as we think about pushing all health plans um, and healthcare delivery into one direction. And you just mentioned HEDIS for our listeners. Could you just explain a little bit about what is HEDIS? Ooh, yes, HEDIS, I like to explain. I'm going to blank on the acronym because, it's, <laughs> but it is essentially the building blocks of how we define healthcare quality. Um, so HEDIS is separated into many different domains uh, around chronic care, when it comes to case management, mental health, and so forth. And so it's really the building blocks and how we actually think, are we doing well or not? So they're all about based off performance measures. Exactly. Yes. Thank you so much. The healthcare effectiveness data and information set. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that just doesn't roll off the tongue, right? It really doesn't. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks for sharing that on how the NCQA is thinking about social determinants of health in those two frames. And as you were talking about the role of the NCQA and accreditation, you talked about the multiple parties that you're working with, health plans, federally qualified health centers, provider organizations. As you step back, you know, there's a real opportunity in these notions of public-private partnership and collaboration. And I was wondering if you could just briefly talk about how the NCQA thinks about that and how you personally think about public-private partnerships in advancing health equity. Well, first, health equity is a team sport, so it cannot be done by any one organization. It has to be in a collaboration. Me personally, um, I think it's the only way that we ever truly achieve uh, health equity. And so going back, um, I'm going to when it comes to NCQ and how we've been thinking about partnerships, one of the one of my uh, favorite projects that we're working on right now is our birth equity measurement project right now that we're doing in collaboration with NBEC, the National Birth Equity Collaborative. Um, one of the things that NCQA is really good at is we're really good at measuring stuff. <laughs> I mean, when you talked about HEDIS, we're really good at measuring stuff. But we also have the humility to know that we don't know everything. We don't know all the nuances in any specific field. And so this is where collaborations become super important. 
especially with the Birth Equity Collaborative, where we're partnering with them to develop birth equity measures. They have the health equity expertise in this field. We have the measurement side, um, and it creates a beautiful um, marriage. In addition, we're also looking to partner with other organizations. One of the projects I get the privilege to lead is our community health worker project that is funded through PCORI funding. Um, and we're partnering with the National Urban League on that, on how do we think about uh, starting and scaling community health worker programs. And so that is an area that we have been really starting to slowly dive into, building those collaborations as a whole, working with groups like the Rise to Health Coalition, which is a national consortium of different healthcare stakeholders to think about how do we actually move in the same direction? Because if everyone is doing their own thing, we're going to be in chaos and not really truly be able to advance health equity. In addition, our programs, um, specifically our Health Equity Accreditation Plus program, focuses on that cross-sectional partnership, making sure that you're actually thinking about interoperability, putting the data in a way that can be easily transferred to community-based organizations for more efficient and safer and rapid care. And so as we have been on this journey of collaborating, it's just been really good to see how, you know, a rising tide lifts all ship. Personally, going back to the public health side of me, um, the one thing I love about public health is it's very much a horizontal discipline. It cuts across all different disciplines. So often um, when people ask me, you know, are you doing, um, well, I'm not in public health. I'm like, no, everyone is in public health. We all are doing this work together. And I think that's the beauty of it and where cross-sectional partnerships become super important as we think about what is everyone's contribution to actually advancing health equity in their own way. And every organization has an opportunity, has the privilege to advance that in a unique way. I love that, Dr. Buckley. And health equity certainly is, is a team sport. I want to go back to something important that you brought up, and that is community health workers. For our audience, can you talk a little bit more about what, what's a community health worker? What's, what's a good model and how do they uh, really help us as a country advance health equity? Yeah, so community health workers um, are one part of the healthcare team. I always like to remind folks they are part of the healthcare team. Often people look at them as kind of ancillary uh, member of the team, but they're part of the clinical team, uh, usually members from a community um, that one have both the lived experience and understand um, the nuance of the communities that they are serving. Think of them as the bridge between healthcare. They're the folks that you know can come to your house chat up with you and see, okay, what are your needs? What's most important to you? Think of that person-centered care approach. What's going on? Where is, do you need help? Is it understanding your insurance? Is it understanding how to get to your doctor's appointment? Is transportation an issue for you? They're really the frontline face of uh, different healthcare stakeholders, whether it's a health plan or healthcare delivery. So why they are so important is we know that there is a lot of um, distrust with the healthcare ecosystem. And the healthcare ecosystem is also working on how it can be more trustworthy. Community health workers are a first step into that. So the work that we are doing uh, with this uh, project and uh, for folks, we'll be putting out some uh, work, uh, some videos, free videos on how to really scale, is thinking about how do you frame why they are important within the healthcare ecosystem. Two, how do we think about the implementation, think about the structure, think about how do you support community health workers, how do they feel engaged and part of the team, think of team steps and making sure that they're having a teaming environment. And then how do we think about the sustainability around funding models, around how do we integrate them and how do we capture, remember I talked about earlier, uh, those uh, qualitative data 
how do you capture that and harness that data in a way that is meaningful uh, to the healthcare uh, system to really make actionable improvement on in the future? You know, the concept of community health workers is is, is not new, right? And, and it's really based on other kind of international models, promotors. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the U.S. healthcare system, um, and I'm putting in my opinion here, has been a little slow to adopt <laughs> the community health worker model in a sustainable way? Let's go on. So several things. One, I think uh, there's a new wave within healthcare. So I think if you look at healthcare traditionally over the past, you know, couple of decades, it was just really focused on access, access. You come here uh, to our hospital, we fix you. Very this fixed model. As healthcare has been changing and we've gotten more into value-based care and healthcare is outside of the four walls of the hospital, outside of the walls of a health plan. Um, we have to kind of go to where people actually are. And before healthcare never really thought of their role in that, uh, there was this assumption that people just could come to me. I put a hospital in a city and if they need me, they'll come to me. While not really understanding the equities piece of how there are gaps for people to actually get that access to get to your organization. And so, um, And I think the second part, which has been a struggle for many healthcare organizations, has been around the aspect of funding. How do you make the ROI? And I actually think there's a pretty simple ROI. If you have less people coming into the emergency room, being able to navigate the healthcare system, being able to um, get the, the care that they need at the time that they need it, and they're happy with it, I consider that a really solid return on investment, but we know that so many community health worker programs are usually uh, grant funded, um, and then there's not a sustainable funding source that the healthcare system usually uh, supplements with um, for their care. And so that's always been a struggle because one of the things that I go back to folks, and I'm inserting my own opinion here too, when we talk about trust, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, they don't trust us, they don't trust us. I always say, how are you being trustworthy? And that also shows you investing dollars where it matters um, to making sure that you are meeting them where they're at and making it easier for them to make the right decision. Because the communities know exactly what they need. It's just the struggle to get what they need that I think is the missing piece. And so that's my, I guess, my Brian uh, opinion on community health workers and uh, where we need more uh, advocacy around really scaling them up, because I think they're going to be definitely the link between um, not just healthcare, but all the other sectors. Well, thank you so much. And, and I love that. Just thinking about collaboration and how are we being trustworthy as healthcare organizations? Dr. Buckley, I wanted to go back to a concept that you talked about earlier when you were talking about the health equity accreditation framework. And you talked about this notion of interoperability. And the way that I was interpreting that is that we need to collect the data internally about how our organizations are performing on health equity, but then we need to share that data. Am I understanding, is that the definition of interoperability? And if so, how do we measure that? How do we drive that interoperability in health equity data exchange? Yeah, when it comes to interoperability, um, the simple way I like to think about it is making sure that we are all reading in the same language um, and that we can utilize the the language in an efficient manner. So when it comes to the work that we're doing around interoperability, one of the big pushes that we are doing at NCQA is uh, um, creating digital quality measures for all of HEDIS. And that's a journey that we're going to be doing over the next four to five years. And we are 
converting our quality measures into the FIRE standard, so uh, FAST uh, Healthcare Interoperability Resource um, and Clinical Quality Language. Really the gold standard right now through HL7, a consortium of folks, data scientists, on how do we actually uh, think about um, how we transfer data. Uh, the easy way that I actually explained this to my parents, because I was like trying to explain what I actually do to my parents, I was like, hey, my, telling my parents, okay, you have Apple... You have an Apple uh, device, you have a Google device, and you might have an Amazon device. How do you have something that can talk to all three of them at the same time um, and that they can understand? And that kind of like just was an aha moment. And that's the same thing that we're trying to have in healthcare. So when you're at a community-based organization or you're at health plan or you're at a um, healthcare delivery system, at FQHC, the data can be transferred in a way that any organization can understand it, even non-governmental organizations. And I think that's the goal that we're looking for in the future digital transformation world of healthcare. And one that's important for NCQA and for healthcare, because the more we can get rid of data burden for providers and administrators, and we have faster data sets, the more we can actually focus on what matters, which is actually helping the patient and their family members through whatever they're going through. So that's uh, some of the work that we're doing, at least on interoperability. And that's why we stress it so much in the PLUS program for health equity accreditation, to make sure that you are thinking about that as a healthcare organization and how data flow actually happens and supporting health um, community-based organizations that may not have the capacity, but through that um, capacity building, you can help them harness data as well. That's really helpful. Thank you. Dr. Buckley, you also have a really interesting framework in thinking about the future of healthcare. I was wondering if you could share with our audience how you're thinking about the future of healthcare. Yeah, um, it's a 4P framework for leading with intentionality, uh, a framework that uh, my advisor, Dr. Kimberlyn Leary, uh, often uses. Um, and so it stands for per, uh, perspectives, process, people, and projections. And I think it's very important for us to drill that down as we think about health equity moving forward. For, percep uh, for perceptions, it's for us to know that we can't see everything. And so when we do health equity work, we need to make sure that we are looking to many different opinions and knowing that we have the humility that we didn't see everything um, and we need those different perspectives to really, truly see the big picture. Second is process. Um, there's a privileging with process. And I think one of the things that we have with our standards is making sure that we are making sure that we are putting patients at the center of all that we do, but also making people reflect on the processes and procedures that they have within their healthcare organization that are privileging one group versus another and being able to reflect on that. Kind of the Deming um, uh, quote of every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. The third is people. Um, as we're doing health equity work, and I think this was going back to a question earlier around that I was talking about with data paralysis, as we are waiting to try to figure everything out, knowing that there is an emotional harm that is going on within our communities as we are waiting to try to think of it as perfect. And so remembering the patient at the center of everything that we do, and there are today patients that are, have inequitable care, and that should alarm us and energize us to actually um, do a call to action. And then last is projection. What's the story we're going to tell of ourselves of the future? And I, I, I encourage anyone to think about that. What's the story they're going to tell of themselves of the future? But more importantly, what are our patients? What are our community-based organizations? What's the story they're going to tell about us? And I think that pushes a, a center of are we 
trustworthy? And are we building that trustworthiness, not just with our patients, but with our fellow uh, cross-sexual partnerships? And so that is my, uh, the framework of perceptions, process, people, and projections. That's really helpful because that really is a framework that could be used to tackle any problem in healthcare. And as we know, healthcare is an incredibly uh, tremendous, large topic. But that notion of the perspective, what are the ideas, the process, how do we set up ourselves for success? Uh, who are we engaging with people? And then how do we tell those stories and project that out forward is, is incredibly powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So thank you, Dr. Buckley, so much for an insightful uh, conversation today on health equity, accreditation, data, and again, the importance of collaboration. Uh, It was so nice having you on our podcast today. A pleasure. Thank you so much. What an insightful conversation with Dr. Buckley. He made some really great points about health equity, the role of health equity accreditation, the role of data, and importantly, how can we think about those four Ps when it comes to health equity accreditation, perceptions, process, people, and projections? I, I really, really love that. And again, his focus on people. We get all into data and, and, and how we uh, think about data, which is incredibly important. But let's not forget about people when it comes to our health equity work. I agree. And it was also a great conversation that you were having around the role of community health workers, where uh, Brian, to really understand who are community health workers. He made such an important point that they are part of the healthcare team and that they can play a real significant role in improving health equity. And then I also like the discussion around social determinants of health and public-private partnerships. Both of those topics really are important foundational concepts as we advance health equity. Absolutely. I think it was a great conversation. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us on the Research and Justice for All podcast sponsored by CVS Health. I'm Dr. Jonay Kaldun. And I'm Dr. Shri Chagaturu. Please share this podcast with anyone you know who's working to advance health equity. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Research and Justice for All podcast if you haven't already. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Take care, everyone. Research and Justice for All is produced by Health Affairs. This season is sponsored by CVS Health. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing you could do is share it with a friend or a colleague. It helps people find the show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out Health Affairs' other podcasts, The Health Policy and Health Affairs This Week. Health Affairs, where health policy advances.